the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. But here's Jonah, he preaches, and all the congregation say, hey, I believe what you're saying. We're turning away. We're going to put on some sackcloth and put ashes over us and a sign of our repentance. You would think that he would have been thrilled, thrilled, but instead we see what his response was in chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And what did he become? He became angry. So Jonah looks at the situation because God has now said, I'm going to forgive this group of people. I'm not going to destroy them. And Jonah feels like it's very wrong. He becomes angry and he prays to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Instead of rejoicing over the fact that the Ninevites had repented of their sins, Jonah finds himself in a place of anger and depression, and in fact, literally wanting to die. He's throwing a little temper tantrum because he didn't get what he wanted. What do you do when you don't get what you want? What do you do when God doesn't give you what you want in your life? That's the question. God comes back to Jonah and he asks him a probing question, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry. Jonah, let's stop for a moment and really think about what's going on with you. Is it right for you to have this anger toward me? And again, that's a question for each one of us as well. When we don't get what we want from God, there's this tendency to be angry at God, to sort of pout with God, to pull away from God, to somehow feel as though we've been slighted by God and to have this sort of attitude toward him. And God says, is it really right for you to be treating me this way, Jonah? Is it right? 
for you to be angry because you didn't get what you wanted? And that is indeed the question that hangs over each one of us today and exactly what I want to talk about. What do you do when you don't get what you want? And it's true for each one of us. There have been times in my life, I'm, su I'm sure there have been times in your life when you asked God for something or wanted something and it didn't come through the way you wanted it to come through. And you and I have often had the temptation to be angry or frustrated with God about that. How do we better handle it? Here's the first thing that we must learn to do in those moments. We must learn to evaluate our view of God. Jonah's biggest problem, his biggest mistake was this conflict with God's nature. He had a conflict with God's nature. See, Jonah was determined to make God in his image instead of allowing God to form him in a transformed image to be like God, to be more in the nature of God. Jonah didn't run away from God because he knew who God was. He ran away from God because, because he didn't know what God was. He ran away from God because he did know who God was. He understood something about the nature of God. And so that's what it caused him to run away from God originally. And you and I need to recognize that in moments when we don't get what we want from God, it's time to step back for a moment and say, let me really think about who God is. Because if he hasn't given me what I wanted, there must be a reason for it. And that reason must must be tied into his nature or tied into his character. See, how you view someone will always determine how you relate to them. Amen. How you view another person will always determine how you interact with them, your response to them. And it's true when it comes to God, how you view God is going to determine how you relate to God. And so I want to take just a few moments this morning and remind you of who God is. And when you find yourself disappointed in life uh, about something that you step back, so let, me, let me remind myself of who God is. Seven things that we know clearly about God. First of all, God is holy. And the word holy means he's separate. He's set apart. There is no one like our God. Our God is unique. God didn't create you in his image. didn't create himself in your image. He created us in his image. He created us to reflect his nature and character because he is separate. He is unique. There is no one like our God. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6, as he has this revelation of God, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, the train of his robe filled the temple, the angels were crying something to one another, and here's what, what they were crying, they were crying or calling to one another, holy, 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 here's a key word, two little, two little letters, is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Who is God? He is holy, holy, holy. He is perfection. There is no imperfection in God. Who is God? Second of all, God is eternal. This is important because God knows the beginning from the end. He sees the big picture. 
And because he sees the big picture, sometimes he will say no to you about things that you wanted him to say yes to you about. But God says, no, I see the big picture. And because of my eternal nature, my capacity to see the beginning and the end, the best thing I can say to you right now is, no, I'm not going to give you what you say you want because it's not really what's best for your life. Many of you as parents will recognize this as you work with your children. They will often ask you for things that you know really in the long run will not be good for them. And you'll say no to them because you see the big picture. And God always sees the big picture. He is eternal. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is. There's that little word again. Who is he? What is he? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Thirdly, who is God? God is completely just and righteous. There's never a time that God is unjust or unrighteous. God always does the right thing. God never does the wrong thing. God's work in your life is always a work of justice. He is the just God. As Abraham was interceding with God about uh, Lot, his, his, his nephew Lot, in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's praying for the deliverance of Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah and the potential uh, removal of destruction from Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham makes this statement about God that you and I need to remember. Far be it from you, Abraham speaking to God, to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth what do? Right. He always does right. And so when you don't get what you want, step back for a moment and say, let me, let me remind myself of who God is. I'm reminded that God is holy. I'm reminded that God is eternal. I'm reminded that God is completely just and God is completely righteous. And I'm reminded that God is, what is he? He's love. He's love. And whatever I'm going through right now, even though I'm not getting what I want, it still is a reminder to me to reflect on the nature that God never stops loving because he is love and his love is directed toward me. As First John 4 verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God, there's that little word again, what is it? Is. God doesn't just love, God is love. And so when you don't get what you want, you don't get what you want oftentimes because God's just loving you in that moment. He's reminding you of your love, his love for you. And then out of that love, who is God? God is gracious, compassionate, and forgiving. He is a gracious God. He is a compassionate God, and he is indeed a forgiving God. 
the psalmist in Psalm 103. If you've not read that passage recently, I would encourage you to read the entire psalm. Describes the beauty of God's nature as a gracious, compassionate, and forgiving God. I'm only going to read you a portion of the 103rd Psalm. Look at what it says. The Lord, say it with me. Don't, don't run past that word. The Lord is who, who he is and what he is. He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Okay. The psalmist goes on to say, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are dust. So God is compassionate. He's gracious. He's forgiving. That's who God is. And then God is, what is he? He's all wise. He's all wise. It's going to be quite interesting when we all stand before God one day and people who thought they were smart are going to realize how dumb they were. People who were proud of their intellect are going to realize how limited their intellect really was. All of our academicians, all of our great scientists, and all of our great folks that have achieved wonderful and amazing things intellectually will stand before God and realize that they're absolutely foolish in the eyes of the all-wise God because there is no wisdom like the wisdom of God. He indeed is wisdom himself. The Bible says in Romans 16, verse 27, the, the, the writer Paul says, all glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. He's saying this this is true. Verily, verily, God is the all-wise God. And then the last thing I'll mention here is that God is, what is he? He is sovereign. He's the sovereign God. The word sovereign is often used to describe a king, someone that rules over a dominion. The concept of sovereignty is someone who has supreme power and supreme authority. And God works in our world with supreme power, supreme authority. He works to accomplish his will even when we don't understand it or grasp what he's doing. That's why we see this reminder in the book of Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and, and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, and his paths beyond tracing out. He's the sovereign God that works in ways that you and I will never understand. So the first thing that you and I need to do as soon as you're in that place like Jonah was in a moment ago, as we saw him angry, frustrated because you didn't get what you wanted, 
Jonah wanted God to destroy the Assyrians. God was gracious to them, and Jonah's mad about it. When you're tempted to be angry at God, step back and say, let me remind myself of who God is. Here's the second lesson for us today. Everybody still with me so far? No good? Here's the second thing you do. When you don't get what you want, reflect on what you're wanting for yourself versus what you're wanting for others. Let me explain this one to you. Jonah was happy as long as God was kind and gracious and loving and forgiving to him. He was thrilled in the belly of that fish that God was kind and gave him a second chance. He was happy about that. But he wasn't okay. He wasn't okay with God treating other people the same way. Now think about this just for a moment. One of the things that you and I need to be aware of in life is that God checks up on our attitudes toward other people. And sometimes the reason you don't get what you want is because you have the wrong set of attitudes toward other people. And God says, I'm not going to do this for you until you're willing to deal with some stuff inside of you that you have toward other people. Can I get at least a little amen right there? Okay. God says, until you deal with this attitude that you have toward that other person that you want me to judge, you're asking me for mercy and you're asking me for grace, but you're praying for judgment for them. You're hoping for judgment for them. As long as that's going on inside of you, I'm not, I can't give you what you want because there's a principle in God that, that, that if we want forgiveness, we must forgive. If we want mercy, we must be merciful. If we want grace, we must be gracious to other people. And oftentimes God will stop you in your tracks and say, you know what? You're not getting what you want because there's some stuff inside of you that needs to be dealt with first of all. And this is especially true when it comes to people who've hurt you, who've damaged or hurt your life in some way. There's a tendency for all of us to seek payback to them. God, please forgive me, but God, would you just teach that other person a lesson? Okay. Would you hang them by their toenails over the fires of hell? Okay. Until they learn their lesson, God. You ever prayed something like this? No, you may not have prayed it, but you thought it. Okay. <laughs> Torture them. Torment them, God, whatever you got to do, but teach them a lesson. But please forgive me. <laughs> so we don't like to think that we think that way, but we do. And God says, you're asking me for stuff in your life. I'm just going to stop you right there because until you're willing for me to bless other people the way you want me to bless you, then there's a problem here that needs to be resolved. And this is how God's kingdom works. You may not like how it works, but this is the way it works. If you want to be forgiven, you got to forgive. If you want mercy, you've got to show mercy. If you want grace, you've got to be gracious to other people. This is just the way the kingdom of God works very clearly. Jesus was asked the question one day, 
Lord, teach us how to pray. Show us, Rabbi Jesus, how to pray your way. We want to pray the way you want us to pray. And of course, as we talked about recently, Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and uh, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So if we want this, we must do this. It's interesting that Jesus continues that prayer teaching us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we often stop right there. But Jesus doesn't stop his teaching right there. He continues on with these verses that we see in chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Read the rest with me. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I would say that's pretty serious. Would you agree with me? So oftentimes in life, we're wanting God to treat us one way and wanting him to treat others differently. And that was Jonah's problem. Jonah wanted the love and grace of God for himself, but he didn't want it for other people. So what do we do when we don't get what we want? What's the first thing you do? As soon as you start being angry toward God, what's the first thing you need to do? Step back and think about who God is, right? I need to get my thinking right about the nature of God here. Is it right for me to be? No, it's not because I need to remind myself of who God is. And then second of all, is this, am I not getting what I want because maybe there's something in my life that I have toward another person that I haven't dealt with yet and God's reminding me of some stuff about myself to help me to deal with this so that I can move on and grow in him and experience all the blessing he has in store for me. Now, there's a third thing that's necessary if you and I are going to, to deal with these moments in life effectively. And here it is. You and I need to check our opinions. And boy, do we have a lot of those, don't we? Okay. It is so easy for us to place our opinions above God's opinion. Jonah had this problem. I think you would agree with me that Jonah had a very strong opinion about how the Ninevites should be treated. Did he not? He had a very strong opinion. He believed that the Ninevites should be completely destroyed. And so he was in that mode of thinking his opinion was better than God's opinion. In fact, I thought about this differently uh, yesterday as I was going over my notes for this weekend. I never thought about it quite the same as I will share it with you in this moment. But what came to my mind is that Jonah wanted to guide God instead of letting God guide him. Think about that for a moment. God, I think I know the better way to handle this. 
Don't you realize that these Assyrians are our enemies? And, and by the way, let's just fast forward into history a bit. And about 35 years later, the Assyrians actually do come in to the northern tribes of Israel and capture them and disperse them. And we have the 10 lost tribes of Israel. It's going to happen in the future. And, and Jonah is of the opinion, God, everything would be better off if you would just listen to me. I figured this out, God, and here's my opinion, and I believe that my opinion is superior to your opinion. He did not say it that way, but in essence, he was living that way. And oftentimes we live in a, in a manner that suggests that we think, we believe that our opinion trumps God's opinion. Our, our opinion is better than God's opinion. And any time that's the case, what it means is that we're trying to guide God instead of letting God guide us. Amen. Or as the old saying says, we're putting the cart before the horse. Amen? Amen? And so we have to reorder our opinions. We have to subjugate our opinions to God's opinion. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words. Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shields of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland, I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.